Oh, welcome back, everybody, to the Magic Cast. We have an extremely special show for you today. We have the voice of AS Roma for all of our English speaking fans out there, Richard Whittle. I've got Sam Rubio. I've got Wayne Gerard. Richard, thank you so much for agreeing to be on the show. Uh, welcome to the Magic Cast. It's wonderful to be here. Always great to talk about Roma. And uh, buonasera a tutti. Hello. <laughs> buonasera. Richard. A pleasure. <laughs> buonasera. Great to have you. Uh, so, you know, first things first, you know, how are you doing? You know, obviously the world is in uh, a, a crazy space right now and you're in Italy now uh, and have been, uh, I believe, throughout all of this. Is that true? Yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, I've actually been locked on in Milan, of all places, uh, <laughs> right in Lombardia, which has been the, the worst hit area. Oh, with, boy. Uh, Bergamo, of course, decimated. So it's been pretty tough, I have to say. Uh, it all, uh, our studios are here for the, the world feed. So we were here, and then the, the word came through almost immediately. Locked on, you can't leave the region. Uh, that was the first thing. So uh, I locked on here. And, right. of course, I've been in touch with everybody in Rome. We were also in lockdown and itching now to get out again. But at the same time, everyone's very wary of of the situation and we know it's going to be a long, long road back to, well, will there be normality this week with bars open? I went and had a cappuccino this, uh, this, uh, uh, this morning for the first time since March the 9th and oh, wow. it tasted so good. But uh, <laughs> I'm sure. as I said before, we're all pretty, uh, pretty battered down. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, what's the, what's the impact been on the professional side? I mean, obviously you're, you're not, there's no games going on. So you're, you're not doing there. Have you found, uh, other ways to, you know, kind of still be creative or still be involved in, uh, you know, the things that you normally participate in? Oh, oh, definitely. The, you know, the only thing is, I, I don't know if you can hear, but my voice is, uh, <laughs> it needs to be warmed up again before the season starts. Because we're, go we're going to be playing uh, uh, the latest we heard if we're back by mid-June, which we hope June the 14th is the earliest the government are saying. Is right. it, it will be matches every three or four days through to, to August. I mean, that could be extended a little bit further into August, but basically we're going to be you know, very busy. So the voice is going to be stretched. But <laughs> in the meantime, I've been working on a, a, a Serie A show which has been going out. It goes out worldwide, and I think in the States it goes out on ESPN+. Plus. Inside Serie A, it is called. So if, if you catch that, if you've got uh, on ESPN+, Plus, which is basically there been interviews with uh, players, uh, my role in it is really doing the voiceovers so, and some fake commentary. So you might hear, a, a, if you catch one of the shows, you might hear a, a Francesco Totti uh, <laughs> going back in there. I'm, I'm familiar with that name, I think. Any of the commentaries they used were from the stadium with a lot of um, interference, so I had to do them. And I, I've got um, a homemade studio here. Right. So I was hunched in. I did, I did one. Um, uh, Totti and I think I'm on Teller from the Derby. One of the Derby goals, I think <laughs> the one that went in off the, the 
underneath the crossbar. That was wonderful yeah. to do. I let it roll out a little. Martella. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, I I have been busy, so it it's been a big help because I know a lot of people have been locked down and they've you know they've been uh, trying to find things to do. But um, fortunately, uh, I've been able to uh, do a few fake commentaries and a few uh, uh, fake dubbing of interviews. Oh, that's that's great. And so that's ESPN Plus, correct? Make sure that uh, all of our listeners out there kind of yeah, check you out. Should, yeah, it should uh, be on there, yeah. Awesome. Uh, or before... Um... Uh, the company I work for is... Uh... Mm-hmm. No, go ahead, Richard. Yeah, no, I was just going to say that the, uh, the company I work with, uh, it, it uh, covers uh, the world feed, so... Uh, okay. um, I think it's ESPN Plus in the States. It goes worldwide, you know, broadcasters all over the world following uh, gotcha. uh, following Syria. Awesome. So before uh, I get into the, the next track of uh, topics of discussion, I want to make sure Sam and, and uh, Wayne, you guys have anything you want to pipe out to Richard uh, before we get into some of the yeah. other topics? Yeah, if I could jump in, um, Rich, no, I've been watching it, and yesterday on, on ESPN Plus is where it's distributed. And yesterday you had an awesome voiceover from Longo, I think from Torino, where he talks about how like football is a drug and that adrenaline and like we're all addicted to that emotion and not having it has almost made a withdrawal. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, Longo, the coach of uh, Torino. Yes. Yeah. I I voiced it. I voiced him. Yeah. And that's, and that's what it is. You know, Um, it is, for all of us who are involved in football uh, and Serie A, you know, it was uh, at the beginning, it was, uh, it was something that we, we didn't really believe it. It stopped, you know. And uh, I, even yesterday, or I think it was yesterday or maybe this morning, um, I was thinking, all right, okay, if, the, if Serie A comes back right, mid-June or through to August, then Champions League and Europa League's back. Oh, yeah, if we're playing... Um, right. Seville in in Rome, I could go to the match, and I thought, like, "Oh no, wait a second, fans <laughs> can't go to the match." So know. you know, it is like that. It is it's such a you know, it's just part of our lives. For me, it's just part of uh, it, you know, it's not a, it's not even a job. It's just part of my life. Waking up and um, yeah. either commentating about Serie A, writing about it, or you know, discussing it with you know guys like you. Or doing the, doing the voiceovers, it comes and what have you. It's a, a wonderful. It has been a wonderful career and experience for me, and you know I appreciate it even more now in this uh, in this time that we're living through. Oh, definitely. Um, so let's talk a little bit about uh, both your your career and your your fandom. This is a question I like to ask of, of folks that we get on the show. Uh, somewhere at some point in time, you were not a Roma fan. doesn't mean you were a fan of somebody else, but that wasn't a part of your life the way it is now. What was the thing that drew you to Roma? Like, when was that? What what part of, you know, what stage of your life were you at? Um, What was the thing that kind of just made you say, this this is going to be my team, thick and thin? Well, for me, it was... I mean, it's as close as you can ever get uh, to being, you know, a Roma 
and a Roman, and not being a Roman, obviously with my accent, I'm Irish. But um, uh, I moved to to Rome in 1990, which is probably giving away a bit of my age now. But I was uh, uh, a young man at that time, and uh, I arrived in Rome. And obviously, I was uh, I knew about Roma, and uh, they they played in the, the European Cup, of course, not right. uh, so long previously against uh, Liverpool. And the, you know the names in, you know in this was like the eighties, nineties. So you know there wasn't yep. you didn't know about uh, European teams so much. But when I got to, to Rome, the first thing when I moved there at that time, and I moved there uh, to watch the World Cup, Italian Levanta, mm-hmm. which America, USA qualified for, of course, and um, I moved there. Uh, months beforehand in February, so I, that I would have a, a job and uh, an apartment, so I could then, once the World Cup started, just travel around and watch all the games. And uh, when I got there, uh, immediately I just fell in love with Rome. Uh, it was like love at first sight, really was. Right. And then I, I met some uh, guys who are Roma fans, and, I, and they're like, "Oh, yeah, you know a lot about." Uh, Italian football, because I knew who like um, Giannini was, and uh, you know what? And um, we've got to take you to a game sometime. And I was like, yeah, "That's cool, man. No worries." Yeah, of course. And <laughs> in the meantime, I just started following Roma naturally because I was living in Testaccio. Now, Testaccio uh, is a, a quarry, the heart of Roma. That's where the uh, the original Roma football stadium was which, uh, as I segue into something else, I'll get back. They're renovating now. The, uh, yeah. uh, a group of uh, you know, local companies have got together and are starting to like, uh, um, reconstruct the, the stadium, which is amazing. You know, it's like the old Roman times. It's like doing up the, uh, the Colosseum. It's incredible. And I lived in the statue, which is just Roma through and through. And you can <laughs> imagine, it just feels like, oh, wow. And, and then the first match they took me to was in March. So I had to wait a, a little bit of time because I got there in mid-February. And what was the match? The Derby. Oh, boy. Where Rudy Vuller scored. <laughs> Rudy Vuller scored. But by that time, I was crazy about Rome anyway. And then the, that, from there, I was, that was it. You know, I was in love with the city and I was in love with Roma. And you know when you fall in love in anything – it's difficult not to fall out of love. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you always have a soft spot. But I lived in I lived in Rome for for nine years and started working in television and got involved in um, in working. Uh, I wouldn't say closely with Roma, but uh, in a certain way with Roma with the football club and being a straniero and especially being an Irishman and a Roma fan back in, in the 90s was something like people didn't really sort of like, oh my goodness, yeah, you, you know, I went, I was in the Curva Sud, I'd be in the Curva Sud for matches, uh, and especially we're talking about in um, 91, where, where Roma got to the final UEFA Cup, where Roma won the um, uh, uh, Coppa Italia, uh, when they beat Samp, 
that uh, I was in the court of a suit when Kanija scored that goal where he ran the, the pitch to beat Milan, yeah. that amazing yeah. Milan side. Roma defended like a pack of wolves for the whole game and scored on the counter-attack. And the next day to, to walk around the city to go into work was like just the, the most emotional thing. Uh, and that's never left me. You know, that was the, the thing. And I know that when, then when I started becoming more of a, a serious commentator, it was difficult at times, I have to admit, to, to hold in that um, just raw passion for Roma. Yeah, it's funny you, you say that because one of the questions, uh, you know, the, the three of us talked about uh, wanting to ask is, you know, how hard is it uh, to be, uh, you know, broadcasting a Roma match, you know, when you know that you're a fan and you're trying to balance that, you know, uh, impartial, solid broadcasting that, that you always bring. But, you know, you also know that uh, that, that you're such a, a huge fan as well. And, you know, do, do you do you catch yourself having to, you know, maybe change your, your tenor and tone as you're going through stuff uh, just to, to maybe not quite let on as much uh, of your of your heart and soul that, you know, is beating for uh, for Roma? Well, I'd, I'd say that in in the, the last couple of years that you know it has been toned down, but certainly in you know I'd have to admit when uh, it, especially when the, the the first Spalletti side, you know, mm-hmm. two thousand five, two thousand six, then at two thousand seven when they came back, you know, when Totti came back after the World Cup, World Cup, yeah. You know, you know, and come back from that injury. And that team was amazing. And that's one of my favorite teams, I have to say. Uh, and it, it was it was difficult. You know, the only thing that can really save me now is if uh, AS Roma set up a, a, an English channel and asked me to become their official commentator, then I can just let let rip. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, in the meantime, I, ha- I have to hold back. But there have been a few, you know, I have to admit, there have been a few times where, where it has... Um, it, you know, it has probably gone. It's probably gone over the edge. A couple of derbies, uh, derby mm-hmm. goals, last-minute winners, uh, the great moments, of course, which um, in recent years, especially the last couple, the, the last season for Francesco, uh, mm-hmm. every match when he played, although Spalletti seemed to keep him out of the team most of the time, was spoiling a lot of things that I wanted to say, but. Yeah. Um, I certainly, I think back to like the, the match, uh, the Bologna game, where you know he came off the bench, scored that penalty, you Ugh. know. But uh, and as you know, the King of Rome, you, it's always difficult to top that. So I've never really pushed again to try to to, to be, uh, you know, too smart. I, I appreciate that uh, that moment will go down in history and will live forever for Roma fans, and I'm so proud of that moment. And for, you know, from there. You know, I've I've tried to keep uh, you know an even balance, but of course uh, I've had a lot of messages on Twitter that oh no, you're not really, and a few fans from other clubs uh, certainly have had uh, things to say about me. But we won't I'm sure which, which, uh, which clubs. Well, I think we know which club really. We yeah, I mean, you're, you're doing a great job of, of reading into all of our topics uh, because <laughs> another one um, that, that we were going to bring up was the the story behind the, the King of Rome uh, is not dead quote. And, um, you know, 
we're going to assume, but we'll let you uh, fill in fill in the details. Uh, but this is just kind of like spur of the moment, you know, uh, impassioned kind of uh, call out, you know, based on the the impact in the game and and what was going on with the team and with Totti at the time. Uh, but just kind of bring us back to the you know going into that match and, and what, you know, what the, the situation was and, um, you know, just around, again, around the team, around Toti, around your, yourself and your own feelings uh, about all everything that was going on and, and what really kind of just led up to, to that moment where you felt like, you know, there's some sort of vindication that you need to, to put out there for, for the entire world. And, and you're absolutely right. I mean, this is, this is a moment that, uh, you know, that we, we will, as fans, will never forget. And we thank you for that, of course. Um, I was actually showing my wife uh, the clip this morning. I'm like, we're going to be talking to that guy today. Uh, <laughs> she, was, uh, she was all excited because she knows, you know, she... Uh, she's a she's a fan by by family, uh, so to speak. Um, so, uh, you know, give us a, a little bit around uh, around the story behind the quote, if you don't mind. Well, it, at that time, as you know, we're going back, we're going back a few years now, but it wasn't a, it, you know, it wasn't a great time for Roma. There's no no getting away from it. You know, eating through managers, uh, coaches. Right. Uh, you know the the club was was in it was in a in a flux. It was in it, it was it felt you know I wouldn't say dead, but you know it felt like maybe even Totti was his time to go. This was what they were trying to push, and he was getting a lot of criticism. Which you know, of course, I always feel that uh, you know it's totally unfair. You know, everybody talks about. They talk about the good times about Totti, but he's already he's talked about that as well. That right. um, you know, he's gone through tough times, and then when you get the fans turning against you, somebody like Totti, uh, you know, the captain, a Roma, Roman born, Romanista, you know, mm-hmm. he's done everything for the for the club. Could have gone to Real Madrid, you know. Imagine if he'd gone to Real Madrid and playing there, you know, he probably would have won, you know, European Football of the Year. He would have won the, the the Champions League so many titles, but he stayed yep. with the club. So I just felt at that time that um, it's not that I needed to say anything because you never know what's going to happen in a match. But uh, it that whole week building up to the the derby was uh, was it March? I'm trying to think. You guys might yeah, the, yeah, it was a, it was a March game. As well. March 13, 2011, and it was a week of terrible weather it was like you know the eyes of march the julius caesar <laughs> ancient Rome feeling the you know the the, the tether was like turbulent uh, there was dark clouds right over the city all week and there was a, a dark atmosphere around the derby now the derby of course i don't know if you guys have ever been to the derby but you know it is like going we'll never know but it's what our modern equivalent of going to the Coliseum. It is incredible. Right. The tension is electric, you know. And I go there as a, and it's fortunately it's um, 
it's Roma's home match as well, if I remember correctly, because I always get a good welcome when I walk into the stadium <laughs> when it's Roma's home match. Hello. With the other team, it's not it's, it's not so bad, you know. I don't get uh, you know I don't get any really abu- any abuse or anything. But uh, obviously, when I come to Roma, and so the whole build up, but as I said, you never know how a match is going going to pan out. And it was a very it was one of those games, just a battle of like who's going to like if so, if if you come away with the draw, neither neither side or neither uh, sets fans are going to be happy. But the commentary was was going well and it was a co-commentary with my co-commentator because a lot of the the, comment, uh, the matches I did back then I did them more because I had a particular style that the broadcasters thought was probably better for colour analysis than the actual game play-by-play uh, play-by-play announcement sure. so my co-commentator was play-by-play and of course in the, the match you know, the first goal was the, the free kick um, but the tension was very high and at the moment before the penalty, it was just the, the skies were about to open. I think it turned like almost purple. It was just incredible. I always remember that. That just it, it felt like if you switched on a light, it just set the whole place would be electrified. You mm-hmm. know, in front of the Curva Sud, Francesco Totti steps up. I'm sitting in the you know in the press area, which is in the Monte Mario stand, overlooking. Looking down uh, across to to uh, to where Totti's racing up, and looking at the monitor as well to my side. So I remember I'm looking, and the, uh, my co-commentator's doing the whole like uh, the spiel and the build-up. <laughs> and from from nowhere, really, it wasn't. People have asked me, was it planned? Did you something planned? I I think it was a subconscious thing. I think it was just all of the the negativity around Francesco right. Totti. In the build-up, and it came out, and it just the, the King of Rome is not dead, Francesco Totti, <laughs> and it came out, and there was a pause, and there was a pause, but my my, uh, my co-commentator was silent, I think, which also helped that moment as well, and he celebrated in front of the Curva Sud. That's how you want, you know, how do you want to win yeah. a derby in front of your own fans in front of Curva Sud? Right. The fans, that some of those guys in there had turned against him, but had this, and now they were back in love with him again in an instant. Because that's in Rome. In Rome, you're either in the stars or you're in the souls. You know, down with the uh, the the sheep and the horses, or you're up in the stars. That's Rome. There's no in between. So um, <laughs> the match finished, and everybody was like, you know, obviously the whole oh, Romanisti and uh, the, the Roma press were all happy and. I was walking out of the, the uh, you know, out of the, the ground in a happy sort of uh, frame of mind, but pretty relaxed. And my phone was just going crazy. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, awesome. good win. And it, it, and then it was like my brother. I said, oh, my brother never calls me. He goes, what did you say? <laughs> it's crazy here. It's going crazy. I, like I'm like. On Twitter, there's like people are saying, "That's why you know, King of Rome." It's like, ah. then my like my uh, Roman friends called me. So by this time, I'm sort of getting an idea. There's messages coming through. Grand, everything. All you could, you know, it sounds it sounds like you know a cliche, but it was everything. And one of my really good friends, um, you know, hardcore Romanista from way back, and he calls, he goes, and he's crying. 
You know, I'm like, oh, Donald Trump, I know it's a great picture. No, what, what you've said is the best thing that's ever been said in Rome. <laughs> and, you know, I got back to it. Like, by, you know, I got back in the evening, and then I said, I'm going to turn the phone off because there's just all these messages coming through. And then I turn on the television, and the Italian television started. So I knew then that something's hit then the next day it's just, right. I was bombarded by I was on the radio in Roma every time I go back to Roma if the taxi driver if he hears me speaking one of my friends I have to do it that's great some of my friends as well they've used it they've used it I tell you they've used it in Rome to get you know discounts and pizzas and, and I've been in restaurants they go this is the this is the, the commentator said the king of Rome but it, it showed how much <laughs> Hey, whatever it, uh, works. You know, it helped. It helped make my career, and I th- and I met Francesco uh, at the end of the season. It was when uh, Milan won won the league, if you remember, with with the match in in Rome. It was a draw, right. and I met Francesco after the match. You know, and he was down to earth, and it was all like, but it, it was a bit crazy because I was meant to meet him privately, which uh, you know he wanted, but. He came out and, you know, I got to speak maybe at that time, like two or three words because we were just surrounded by, you know, guys with, uh, you know, their, their, their telephones and with putting microphones in, in, in our faces, uh, you know, and he was felt a bit sort of, um, you know, he didn't really want that. And, you know, I was, well, you know, who am I? I'm just a, a commentator. But, but then from then I understood even more so just what passion can be a little bit over the top at times there is in Rome and especially for Roma. And in that moment, of course, they won, won the Derby. Uh, and in a way, I'm not saying that that was the moment that lifted Francesco Totti again, me saying the King of Rome was not dead. But afterwards, he did produce a lot of T-shirts. And from there, it's, it's actually his form did improve a lot. <laughs> <laughs> So Wayne, you know, tell me a little bit about your, you know, recollection of that moment and and kind of how, uh, you know, certain, you know, moments in time, you know, whether it's a phrase or a kick or, or something like that, how it just those kind of indelible moments that that stick with you. But you know, start off specifically with uh, the you know the the King of Rome quote because I you know what Richard describes, I think we all felt, you know, with regards to the, the aura around the team and, uh, and, and all the negativity, uh, especially that directed at, uh, at, at Totti. So, you know, what, what was your kind of, uh, thoughts going into that day? And then how, how did you feel after, you know, Richard delivered that uh, iconic line? Being some years ago now, I don't remember exactly where I was. My most vivid is when you go back to where he squares it up against Lazio. I forget who was the home team for that match. Uh, he makes it 2-2. That's my most vivid one. But when I look back on that match, it's just like, I, I'm not. I'm never surprised by Totti. I'm like, wow, that's incredible. That's amazing. But I'm not, I'm never like, yeah, that, that's what he does. He's, you know, I, I expect Superman to do super things. So when he goes, you know, he goes out and does these things, I'm like, yeah, this is what I'm telling you. Like, if I'm talking to, like, my friends in, like, my inner circle or on Twitter, I'm like, no, he's a genius. You're talking about someone who, who defies logic. He's, to me, like, I think of his ability, and it's, like, somebody who just has uh, a savant-type personality where they see things that 
it's not like others don't, you know, like a cliche, like, oh, he sees some things that, you know, just he, he sees the ball between the lines and he plays a smart pass. No, no, no. This is completely different. This is somebody who just sees the world in like a celestial, uh, ethereal way. It's completely different. And the passes that he's able to pick out, and then you look back at that at that derby moment, he makes he makes it go to two zero, right? And it's just like that's who he was. He was a hero in the same way. Like I, I watched the Last Dance now, and as Richard was speaking, I was almost thinking like the only players that you could compare this to might be like a, a very small circle in all of sports. And I think back to Maradona with Napoli, the way that Jordan was treated in Chicago, and I think back to Totti with Roma. Because, like Richard's saying, there's phones out. There's kids looking under bleachers and under fences just to get a glimpse of him. Just to be in, like, the same atmosphere, the same air, to breathe around him and to occupy that same space. It's just like a – it's – you know, you know when, when the day came and he called it, that was, like, that was a very hard day for me. This is, I was one of those kids. I was one of those kids who was 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 years old. And everything he did was, like – was my greatest influence. And it's, it's, it's different from family because you're talking about someone who you truly want to aspire to be, who you want to replicate your game on. And I can't imagine how many kids just around Rome had felt that same way. And like he's part of that just Roman lineage. There's such an amazing, tragic story to talk to you. And I say tragic because of maybe the, the trophies that he could have won, right? And he has won plenty um, when you look at the World Cup and the Scudetto. And that, that's remarkable. But compared to his ability, um, it doesn't do his justice. So <laughs> that's my uh, that's my little podium there for Totti. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right though on on all those points on just how magical you know he is as a as a player, um, which I think is what you know, makes uh, Richard's quote stick out a little bit more because there was negativity around him. Like, here's this this person, this player, that we've all kind of recognized as this near deity in our own minds, right? Obviously, there's a tremendous amount of bias based on the teams that we root for. And don't worry about dating yourself, Richard. My intro to Roma was Bruno Conti, so I've got you covered. We're good on the age thing. Um, but, (laughs) but, uh, you know, just to think that there's so much passion and love for this, this player, um, yet there was, there was this shroud of negativity surrounding him. Uh, and, and for all of us that, that didn't lose faith, that knew that, uh, there was still plenty of, plenty of gas in this tank, you know, what we all thought and felt in our hearts and minds, uh, but didn't have the, you know, the vehicle to express, you know, in, in one line, in one phrase, Richard, you know, you, you kind of captured it all for us. So, you know, it's a hat tip and a thank you, uh, to you for putting out this, this iconic line that, uh, you know, that was just like, yes, you see, that's what I'm talking about. He's not dead. He still has, you know, he's bleeding and oozing with talent and effort. So thank yeah, you, sir. Exactly, because it, it you know, it, it was, you know, just it just came up. But then afterwards, people start saying, yes, the, yeah, the, there used to be kings in Rome as well, and ancient Rome, so it all <laughs> fitted in. Although, it, you know, it wasn't it wasn't anything planned like that. But right. you're absolutely right. It was it was saying, listen, look at this guy. He's not dead. He's you, your hero. Stop turning against him. So a lot of people mm-hmm. probably had to look in the mirror and go, well, I was one of those guys. Who, and this guy from Ireland, who's not even a Roman or anything, has just been 
blind faith in Francesco Totti. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, for me, it was like, a, 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 and I think that's also why a lot of people, when when they know that I've said it, of a certain age, as you, you were saying, the older generation, because I think it was a lot of the younger generation were like, you know, they didn't, they didn't remember everything that Totti had done for them and done for the club. Uh, and as you were saying there, when he could have won so, so much, but he, he always said one, one Scudetto for when he was almost like winning 10 with another, you know, you, you yeah, really yeah. have to see the guy, meet the guy he is so old through and through. If you like took a, you set up mold, here's a robot and you pick Francesco Totti, you know, I, I like the white. I like to add one more thing uh, before before we move into another topic, um, Mr. Whittle. I used that sign uh, in two thousand. Was it two thousand fourteen or two thousand fifteen? I was actually I was actually able and lucky enough to meet Totti um, on the Orlando City Roma game. I had a big sign: "The King of Rome is not dead." On the, on the practice match, and um, I remember Totti walking out on, on the on the halftime. Screaming at him, uh, Tiamo Capitano. He turned around, looked at me, and winked. And I had my big sign: the Kino, the Kino <laughs> Rome is not there. So that's my story with with that phrase. Yeah, <laughs> Greg. You I'm sorry for a second. I remember. Go, if you get, go ahead, Richard. Go ahead, Richard. Oh so, no, I was just going to say that if you if you get a, a wink like that from Totti, that is like you know that, that's a cool thing that he does. You know. Because he gives that, he gives off that, you know, Roman coolness. You see it when he, you know, so he doesn't, he's not, he's not the sort of guy who's going to run over and like hug you <laughs> or, you know, a little wink like that means a lot. Oh, so my I think, goodness. You know, that. It was a wink from a 30-year-old man to another 30-year-old man, 30-something-year-old man. And my, my legs felt like love. butter, like jelly. Gave me that wink. Uh, Wayne, you had a, you had a question? I did. Re- I do remember where I was. I came home from work. I had the I had the game on DVR. I put it on. I was facing the opposite direction, where because I was eating dinner. I was eating a plate of spaghetti and meatballs. No lie. And the first goal went in. I remember turning my neck and peering over into my living room. And I was like, "Oh, mom!" I was right next to my mom. She was talking as I got home from work. And then when he scored the second, I realized that this was like uh, this was this was. Just something, something else. Just I, I have no words for it. Just completely like my hero. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean it's just uh, you know the the, the moment. It, it's funny because we we link things together, right? In our in our memories and and how we want to kind of uh, uh, recollect and and call back. And uh, certainly the game in and of itself, if, if it went on and and it was just a matter of normal commentary and just calling out the events, I. You know, it's still it was still a big moment, um, but I, I just really feel like uh, the the phrase, you know, the iconic phrase is really kind of what captured it and and allowed everybody to kind of just shift and say, all right, well, let's get back on this guy's back like we've been doing for the last, you know, 15 years uh, and have him carry us to, you know, the promised land of whatever that may be. You know, in most years, it just means more wins than than not. Um, you know, Roma's made a, a, a career in life out of you know, always the bridesmaid, uh, never the bride. Um, but when you look at the talent that they've been surrounded with compared to those of their, uh, you know, higher up in the table, even if it's only by one slot, um, I, I think that's a piece of Toti's career that often gets overlooked. 
is that he was able to do a lot more with uh, with far less uh, than I think most uh, uh, of his contemporaries, for sure. Uh, all right. So, I mean, obviously, that's a that's a huge story, um, you know, huge part of your career. Uh, one thing I, I also want to kind of dive into is um, what, what's what's your favorite game that uh, that you've broadcast? And, and if it's if it's that game, then let's let's think it's go through another one. But just something where, um, you know, your you combination of you really feel like, you know, feel like you nailed it. You really feel like, you know, you were in the flow of the game. Uh, the game was also fantastic. Just something that you walked away thinking like, like that was truly a special moment to be a part of um, outside of the, the, um, the King of Rome. Of course, yeah, outside the King of Rome, which will always, you know, stands <laughs> out there, of course. But, uh, you know, what I what I liked uh, is when, when Roma you know, won away from home. And especially when they, when they, they won, you know, at a, a fortress in the north, such as San Siro. And in recent times, the, the match that, you, that really sticks out is the, the game there in with the, the Garcia team, where, where Totti, again, he was, he was on the edge of his own box, own area, and just did a little flick behind to take a ball away from um, uh, from an opponent. It was against it was the match against Inter, remember? And I think Florenzi scored the header. And they were in all white. It was the, the Roma Cares um, right, right, uh, yep. kit. And Roma that night just tore Inter apart in the San Siro. Literally tore them apart. And Totti was uh, uh, just unbelievable that night with his touch, his vision, and to see it, uh, you know, from high up in the San Siro in the, um, the commentary booth with the monitor in front, of course, but to see it done on the pitch and to, to see those little flicks and, and uh, was just unbelievable. That That's a match that, that stands out. I, I, I Just off the top of my head, I can't remember the year exactly. Maybe you guys can look it up. It was a brilliant performance. They just tore, tore them apart. It was maybe Garcia's first season. Um, another match, I remember, um, where Roma actually lost, <laughs> but it was at um, uh, Sampdoria, so it was um, at Luigi Ferrari's stadium, which is a small compact stadium, so if you're in the commentary booth there, you're right down you're right down very close to the pitch. So you can almost hear the players when they, when they shot and you can see the, you know, the, uh, the close contact of the players. And that night, Roma were amazing. And, and that night, unfortunately, right, they no longer with Roma Pjanic and uh, Salah were just on a different, uh, a different wavelength from anything mm-hmm. uh, else on the pitch. Their movement passing. And to see a close-up and Romo just tore Sampdoria apart. <laughs> just like, it was unbelievable. And uh, coaching right. the victory. And then Manuel scores an OG in the dying seconds, an own goal in the dying seconds. <laughs> so, and it was one of those times for, for once, everybody said, uh, Richard, you were almost lost for words. 
because I said something, I can't believe it. You know, you're not meant to cry during the commentary. But um, <laughs> and I, and I think, and I went to the press conference afterwards. I think um, Sinisa Mihailovic was uh, Sam coach, and he was like, "How did we win that match?" And the, the Roma players came out because um, uh, also uh, what I did was uh, also uh, post uh, post game and pre game interviews, flash interviews. Um, when the players were leaving to get on to the coach, they, uh, one or two players were dragged away to give their thoughts. And none of the Roman players spoke that night. And I saw Manolas walking out, like just uh, uh, totally destroyed his, his own goal in the dying seconds, handed Samp the victory. But those two matches really stand out for two different reasons. Yeah, one, sure. the first, because <laughs> it was amazing. Roma were wonderful that night. And the, the old white kit as well, it was beautiful kit, you know, under the floodlights. And winning in, you know, up in the, the citadel of Milan, well, you know, up here where the, you know, it's all about Milan, Inter, and of course Juventus. Um, another match as well that I remember is at the Juventus Stadium where Roma took the lead uh, in the early on. Oh, who scored? Was it? Um, Iturbi? Iturbi, I think. That had been the match. It was that match. 2015, something like that? Yeah. Absolutely, Roma played Juventus off the pitch again. And I was in the commentary booth. My heart was pounding out of my chest because I thought, finally, we're going to get a victory here in in, uh, in Juventus Stadium, even though I commentated a match where Roma did win there with uh, John Arnarisi with a header in the dying moments past Buffon that yep. match. But that match was played in the Olympic Stadium, Olympic Stadium in in Torino, and it was a different uh, Juventus. It was Late Juventus coming back. 2010. That was yeah. Juventus pre-Conte, right? Yeah, and Juventus coming back, you know, after um, all their problems with uh, Calciopoli. Uh, so it wasn't the Juventus, but this was a great Juventus who had uh, everything going for them, if I can say that. Uh, and that night as well, well, I remember it well, and that was heartbreaking because uh, I think um, Juve scored in the dying final seconds you know there's bits of the match pop into my head as I'm speaking here now but what I remember most of all is when Iturbi scored and it was right in he ran to the corner where the Roma fans were and Totti came after him and Totti was giving it like as we say in the trade the big one like come on (laughs) he didn't always do it you know celebrations were quite cool but this was big because it was in Juventus Stadium, uh, and again Roma came up came up short. It's been a story, I think, a, a lot of times. But it, they, they left with a lot of pride, uh, a big heartbreak. But those are the three games that really, really stand out. Um, what about uh, a favorite goal? Do you have a favorite goal or, or a few fa- you know goals that uh, that you've witnessed? And I mean, I'll I'll kind of tee it off uh, just so, just to give you a break from talking. Um, but one of my favorites uh, is the the Balzaretti goal in the Derby. Um, I think nothing. I commented. Uh, what's that? Because I commented it. Yes, of course, of course, <laughs> and it's just you know. <laughs> It's it's so perfectly captures what it means to play for Roma, what it means to play for Roma in that match. 
Um, and this is a guy that had not been, you know, I, you know, a 10 year Roma player. Right. And I think that was his second year, I think with us. I think that's the match coming. That's a derby right after coming off the loss of the Coppa Italia. And that's the derby where Absolutely. the Corvazud had the, uh, il mio nome, il simbolo della tua eterna sconfitta, pardon my Italian. <laughs> <laughs> um, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, I yeah, mean, that's, it's, that's it's just absolutely correct. Yeah, yeah. It just it it means it means so much, and just the emotion that that he displayed, and uh, Roma's uh, Twitter hand uh, account is doing the uh, Roma replays. Uh, and that was the the replay that I requested, and they actually did it. And I I made sure to put in there, um, you know, make sure you get the emotion, you know, his reaction afterwards, because that's that to Absolutely. me just is so, uh, you know, indicative of of the value and the and the heart and soul of of people that truly understand that become Roman. Like you know, you you mentioned yourself, Richard, that you know you're you're just a, an Irish guy, um, you know, but. Roma has a, a great way of adopting those that are, are knowledgeable uh, and those that care. And certainly you're one of those folks and Balzaretti became one of those, um, you know, like your Mexis and your, your, your Manolas, you know, and, and Angolan to a degree uh, where they just, they become Roman. Uh, you know, I think John Arnorisa is probably still like, you know, if you guys will take me back, I'll, I'll gladly put the kid on. Uh, he's always, well, uh, you know, sharing his. Your tarays, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. exactly. Can I ju just interject, just to say that you know that's absolutely correct. It's either the, the the guys buy into what it is to play for Roma and to be a Romanista and to live in Rome, which is like obviously the, the three greatest things you could probably do in your life. <laughs> uh, you know, it's a, uh, but also Ro Roma draw seems to draw uh, through the fan base and through certain players, just a player that's perfect for Roma or a fan that's perfect for Roma, you know, that they, they like you say about Raja, Raja was perfect for Roma because, yep. it, you know, he just, that was, that was his, his club, in, in the club that he was with during all his career. Alzaretti was a different sort of situation, but he was a, a guy given a second chance and a, and a person who's well, very well spoken, very artistic, also reflects Rome as well. And it, and as you were saying, it was coming off the Coppa Italia match, which I commentated as well. <laughs> you know, that was a tough one. And then Painful. so I come back with this one, which is a derby, and it's Totti sets him up, and then it's in front of the you know the Corvo again. So emotion, you know, as you were saying, raw emotion and passion. That's what I. When I said Roma is about passion, it is. It's not about yeah. winning. You know, Juventus are the ones who are cold and um, clinical winners, and you expect that from them. And but Roma, you don't expect them to be winners. But what you do expect them to be, the players, and the fans are passionate all the time. And the only time that uh, you know thing feel bad about it was when the, you see players who, d who just don't have that passion, and you can. You know, they're going through the motions playing for Roma. You know, you can name a few. I wouldn't want to, but, you know, <laughs> they're, they're obviously... Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm sure we've yeah, all probably they're... got a, a few on our, you know, <laughs> on our mind that, that we would that we could call out. But um, yeah. I mean, I mean, even just staying on that thought a little goal, bit yeah. before I, I let you kind of talk through, you know, some of your your favorite goals. Uh, but looking at uh, Jekko's decision over the summer uh, to stay with Rome, uh, to stay with Roma, um, citing his love and his family's love uh, for the city and for the team and for everything. Uh, that they've kind of given to him because, you know, I mean, when he came to Rome, he wasn't exactly coming off of like, you know, his best season. So, uh, but, but he kind of repaid them for, for taking a chance and having some faith and, and yeah, there is just something special uh, about the area and about the team that uh, is hard to, to replicate elsewhere. But I, I will pass it along to you for, for some goals that are memorable in your mind. Yeah. And just a, a little coda to that, uh, this season, Chris Smalling, the English player. Yeah, yeah. You, you can see how much he loves it there and loves playing yeah. there and loves living in the city. You know, that's another one he, as well. Yeah, he's been fantastic. Yeah. You know, he sticks and around that, too, right? Well, you know, this situation, that's going to be, you know, the reality is it's going to be difficult to hold <laughs> on to these players. They're on loan, Smalling. Yeah. Is on loan. Uh, Mkhitaryan on loan. Mkhitaryan, but, uh, yeah. That's a, that's another discussion, of course, uh, and and the goals. Oh my goodness, just so many goals. You know, I love the derby goals. Um, I love the top the toppy chip in the derby and off the the crossbar. Uh, in in recent years, uh, you know, there's, there's been moments. I love you know who, uh, you know, it's fallen out of fear of Florenzi. The, the overhead kick was against Genoa, was it? Against Genoa, against Perin, yes. Yeah, that, that's just an unbelievable, wonderful goal. I see another goal that sticks out, talking about overhead kick, Osvaldo. Oh. Mm, same, yeah. Yep. Crazy Osvaldo. <laughs> the Leche goal. That Remember overhead that, that kick. That got called it, off, right? Never, but it was legitimate. That was disallowed. But, yeah, it was disallowed, and it was unbelievable. It was on you know. There again, you're talking about players, off-the-cuff players. You know, Roma don't. You know, I always say Roma don't score really. You know, they always if there's a, if there's going to be a wonderful goal, you know, it's nine times out of ten is going to come from Roma. It's going to be something just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Another goal I love, which I commentated uh, again. Quick break done on the left-hand side. Raja comes back inside. Bang. Past Handanovic, you know, Handanovic is like, wow, you know, how tall is he? Couldn't get near it. And I said in the commentary, when, when, Raja, when Raja hits a ball, it stays hit. Right. You know? And that was another, you know, that was another great Roma performance at the San Siro. And that, uh, for commentating, really, really sticks out. And um, <laughs> so many. Wayne, what about you? You want to, you know, jump in and uh, you know, what are some of your favorites? If I had to pick my number one, it's Totti versus Sampdoria. I don't know if you remember that outside of the boot with his left from Cassetti, the the volley. (laughs) It's from Cassetti, yeah, exactly the volley. So he's he's breaking down the left. I think I was like fourteen at the time, and And, yeah, 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 away, and the ball. I'm like half looking at it. I'm kind of just like almost like in a daydream, not in a daydream, but like just on looking, you know, not expecting anything. And it comes off his foot, wraps around the keeper 
into the bottom left of the keeper's post. Yeah, I'm like, what? Uh, I, I couldn't believe it was real. Um, that's my that's my ultimate number one favorite. Uh, second is probably any goal that Raja Nyingolan had. The way that he would <laughs> <laughs> he would rifle shots into the net. And he was like, he's scrappy, right? So he has a way of getting onto things. Uh, just that you might not, you know, might not think that he can get there, but he uses that strength and that like pit bull aggression to push players out of the way. And I think internationally, nationally in the country and everything like that, he's, he's been so underrated as a player because he doesn't fit into that calcio moderno style, right? Because he does things off the field that's not accepted in modern soccer. And that's another story as well. Uh, and then, you know, what's one really just, brings almost like a um, metaphorical or hyperbolic tear to the eye. I think it's, I think that's the right word. I'm not up to date on my English um, definitions. Is Zaniolo's chip where he puts the keeper down. I thought that was one of the best Roma logo. goals of the decade. Yeah, that that's that's one of the best of the decade, I think. That's got to be. That kid just had the guts to do that as a teenager. I think he was 19 at that time. That take, yeah. that's, that's something special. You know, to actually be that patient and not get like let it get to your head and just sits him right down. I was like, Oh, okay, you're you have freakish ability. I see now. Yeah, yeah. Now now we know why that deal was okay, right? You know, I, I think another another one of my favorites is and, and a lot of it again it's it's similar to the, the Balzaretti goals because there was a there was a, a palpable reaction after the goal was scored. And that was uh the Rossi's goal in the very first game under Garcia and you know yeah they had the yeah, the the, ter- the terrible end to the season before new coach nobody re- you know the the preseason wasn't like super fantastic nobody really knew what to expect the game was terrible up until that point I mean it was very slow and sloppy and then all of a sudden you know he hits that laser beam strike uh, and and the camera just perfectly pans to Sabatini, who's got his head in his hands, like, thank God this happened. You know, I can breathe just just a little bit, just a little bit right now. Um, and then, you know, seconds later, you know, Florenzi doubles it. Uh, and just that kind of that that back and forth that, you know, De Rossi gets the goal. Sabatini's just like exhaling for the first time, probably in two or three months, um, at least an exhale that wasn't filled with smoke. Uh, and, and then right off the back of that, you know, Florenzi scores, uh, again. And, and that was the start of the, you know, the 10 game, I believe, like, you know, uh, unbeaten streak to start the year. Um, and, you know, it gave us a chance to really kind of dream, but that dream started with that first goal. Uh, and again, the, the reaction that, uh, that Sabatini had after, um, knowing that, you know, a lot was on the line. I think that was one that kind of sticks out to me as well. For one, for me, is the, remember the, uh, Luca Toni, the two-one against Inter in the dying minutes against Mourinho. That's nice. one of the nice. ones that for me. Yeah, uh, Inter. Yeah. But not came out. De Rossi scored the first. De Rossi scored the first one. In yeah, Luca Toni, the dying minutes. De Rossi went crazy. You know, there's another Roman through and through. You know, yeah, man from from Austria, but uh, Roma through and through, and probably you know De, De Rossi maybe closer closer to the fans than Totti in the sense that the fans could relate more to um, De Rossi because, because Totti was, you know, you know, 
out there, you know, like a, a god almost mm-hmm. in his way. But De Rossi's commitment, you know, not as skillful, of course, than Totti, but they could relate probably a little bit more close, felt closer to De Rossi than Totti, only because Totti was so far ahead of everybody else. You, you couldn't do you would only embarrass yourself if you tried to relate to him. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Um, all right. So let, let's uh, transition just a little bit to the, the current team. Um, you know, like most season, it's the mid table to, you know, bottom table points drop that have cost us, uh, cost Roma a, a chance at, you know, trophies and is putting Europe uh, in, in jeopardy, uh, which, which just always seems to be the case. Um, so we have, you know, Torino, Sassuolo, Bologna, Parma, Sampdoria, Genoa, Galleri. These are all games that we've, that, that Roma has dropped points. Um, and, uh, you know, it just, how do, how do we, where do you see, you know, cause there's lots of stuff that's always talks about the mentality of trying to play in Rome. Uh, and and that there's this this repetitive issue over the last you know God knows how many years near you know twenty years now of uh, the close but no cigar the you know always the bridesmaid never the never the bride what do you see that it or what do you think it is that makes it so difficult you know for the is it really just a, an economics thing that they can't you know purchase the 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 talent enough. To, against their their you know the other teams in Italy. Now, what, what's your from your point of view? Where do you see uh, the why this is so pervasive uh, for Roma? Well, in the recent seasons, we we've seen that uh, you know Roma have had some amazing players. You could name, let's say, from uh, throughout the from like, from Capello when they won won the Scudetto, Roma really could have pushed on then were very unfortunate to, to win it again. And then when Capello left, the, the, you know, there was a, a Spalletti and that's an amazing team again. And as you said, got close, so close. Yeah. But always ran, at th- those times ran into some like, barrier, something, just the moment got to them. If you think back, they could have won the league, but then lost the sap at home yeah. after taking the lead all over them. Uh, that's going back, and then, but certainly in recent seasons, the, the, especially when the uh, Palotta came in, the American owners had started. They had a good uh, scouting system and good contacts in South America, and brought in some good players. But as we've seen, those players were brought in to be sold on, and yep. that that's been a major problem. If you think Roma got to the the, uh, the semi-finals of the Champions League, I mean we haven't even talked about that Barcelona game, which I was at <laughs> as a, a spectator, not as a commentator, unfortunately. But they got to the semi-finals of Champions League, and then what happened to that team was dismantled. Uh, players yep. sold sold Allison, sold Salah. So there was a lot of talk about I mean, Salah wanted to go back to uh, the Premier League, and You've seen a lot of players probably come come to Roma and see it as like, oh, that's a great place to play, great lifestyle. But also, it's uh, Roma are a big club, but not maybe not like a big big club. But you get your your face in the uh, the shop window, as they say, and then they can move on. We look at uh, Pjanic, you know, 
you know, if he'd have stayed, you know, he would have probably thought, well, had great lifestyle, you know, have some wonderful moments of great skill and stuff, but I want to be, you know, I want to win trophies. Right. So off he went to Juventus. And then in recent years, unfortunately, there have been some terrible buys, you know, there's no getting away from it. Uh, there's got to be questions about what the players have been brought in. Players that go, you know, the top players, Salah never replaced, Alisson never replaced. And right. those are... Uh, problem areas for Roma in the past and then it sorted out with Alisson goalkeeper brilliant finally but of course when the Premier League came calling with the big move <laughs> and the big money that was offered for him yeah. he goes and next phase win the Champions League and uh, probably league titles and then if uh, you know they've kept players on they maybe could, they could have moved them on a little bit sooner and you know for me also haven't really got going, you know, given the youth players, the youth team players a chance. You know, if you look, there's some players, you know, that why you look at the, the current squad and you think, uh, you know, uh, Andonucci, for example, I always liked him, you know, and he, one of those mm-hmm. little players pops up, a bit like a Montella type player, pops in the bo- up in the box, but he's let go. And now I don't, I think he's played in Portugal alone. And, and then other players brought in, you know, Zonzi, Defrel, Patrick Sheik. You know, this is... That's a controversial name. You know, it is. You know, where, where's the, the, you know, the Jew, you know, looking at the player, finding out, like, about his personality. Is he good enough? Is he the type of player to bring to Rome? Will he settle in? It's okay scoring lots of goals in Sampdoria, but coming to Rome is a different... You know, the pressure. So you've got to ask questions around, you know, looking at the player away from the pitch, uh, uh, how he can cope with the situation where all in in Rome, uh, you know, you have, I don't know how many radio stations talk about Roma every day, every second. You know, there's a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. So it's been a combination of, you know, bringing in the wrong type of player and allowing, unfortunately, player just letting players go, go you know, Kevin Strokeman, he, he easily could have played another few seasons, being the big name in the dressing room, not leave it all to uh, Daniele De Rossi to, you know, yep. not have enough, you know, big experienced players in the dressing room. And a lot of young players just, they can't go out and perform like that. Zaniolo is um, a, a different type of player, you know, obviously, as no one expected him really when he came part of the, the deal that took Raja to enter. There was even talk of him going out on loan again. But, you know, a lot of, you know, De Francesco's and a lot of uh, detractors, but he was the one who gave him the, his, his debut in the Champions League, you know, brought him in, saw what he could do. And, you know, uh, it's important, you know, that Roma hold on to Zaniolo and build a team around him, Pellegrini as yeah. well, who's been receiving a lot of criticism typically because he's Roman. So <laughs> they, they can criticise so it's, you know, it's that situation. And then you've got players with big money contracts who can just sit there, you know, see out those contracts. So Pastore can sit for another, what, two or three seasons on four uh, million a year. Don't sit remind there, me. You know, you can say that, but, you know, he's the type of player who he, he wasn't sitting there just for the contract. 
he, you know, I'd seen him and I, you know, I met him as well. Such a nice guy as well. And he, okay. You know, he's not the highest level defender, but he's always put it in. It's not like he's going out there and just picking up a salary. You know, he's a, he is a, you know, a type of player who's, who's who, you know, he's brought it, he's bought into that Roma concept. You know, I feel, For sure. you know, I know it's a lot of stick, but, um, I'm not saying he's a, you know, it's the sort of player you could have, you know, on the bench and part of the dressing room. Yeah, you can tell he wants to be there, right? And that's that's a that's a big difference. And you know, I've I've said this before on the podcast, and uh, it's one of my you know favorite things uh, when whenever you're talking about building a team and whether that's you know in a in your professional career that's out of sports or or with sports. And that's uh, you know the Herb Brooks uh, comment that you know I'm not looking for the best players; I'm looking for the right ones. And I, I think there's just so much value in, in that comment. Um, and obviously he was right, you know, based on the, the success of the 1980 U.S. men's hockey team taking down Russia. Um, but, you know, too many times it's, it's uh, you know, you go after a name or you go after something else. And, and uh, you know, as, as we talked about earlier, and Richard, you mentioned several times, um, that there's there is a a Roma type, right? There is a type of player and a type of personality uh, that will succeed uh, playing for Roma. Um, and you know the converse of that must also then be true, right? Uh, that if there is a type that will succeed, there's also a type uh, that that will not. And you really kind of if you're the person that's making these decisions and and bringing these players in, you have to be intimately familiar with what that is. And I understand like from a a coaching perspective, you know, you want players with certain skills that are going to help with your system and how you want to play. And that's fine. Um, But in addition to those skills, you you also have to be able to, to fit and, and be, you know, be one of those people that in time we could say, yeah, he's definitely going to become an adopted Roman. Yeah. That's a lot of that goes down as well to, you know, the, uh, the sporting director, this is yeah, his yeah. job, really. The coach can only, you know, in Italy, the coach like, gives his, maybe gives his recommendations, but he, he isn't involved in, it's not like in the, the Premier League uh, in England where uh, is, the manager says, I want that player, so they go and get it for him. In Italy, the coach goes, I want that player, and the sporting director goes, well, no, it doesn't fit into our budget or, blah, or something like this. I'm looking at this player, and so a lot of it, you know, Roma have gone through quite a few sporting directors. You know, Mochi is a prime example. How mm-hmm. many these players, he brought in the players that were the Mochi players, you know. That's right. Z. I mean, so Z is never, in my opinion, ever. I was like, what? Bring <laughs> Roma now. It's not going to work. You know, I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm looking at the outside. I'm just looking as, you know, brings him in, you know. Right, right. Uh, and the big money, big contract, and the guy's still out on loan, isn't he? You know, he hasn't been sold on. This is the thing. There's all these players that Roma had that could put out another team of players on loan. <laughs> Instead of trying to get them, you know, the talk now is like, oh, every day, every day I look at the, you know, open the the, uh, the papers here, look on the, the sites, it's about, oh, Pellegrini's to PSG. Zanjolo's definitely going to Juventus, forget. And they you know, that just creates this, you know, you know, amongst the fans, a big worry 
again, Roma, with their history, are they going to sell their two like shining young stars? And one of them being a Roman, and who Totti and De Rossi, had, well, not that, uh, you know, their opinions with the hierarchy, the current hierarchy at Rome really can't, but, you know, it meant to be the future captain and lead that long line that goes away back of Roma captains. You know, we don't have a Roma captain. Florenzi's alone at Valencia. You know, and I always felt, as I've said, I think you, I've got it across. It's so important, I, that feeling of... I know it's been a negative at times as well. It can get it have a negative impact, but I, I do think you need... you need. That's what I love about Roma as well, is that they, they promoted Roman players, you know, if you look at other clubs, Juventus, yep. Inter, Milan, as well, Milan definitely, Napoli to a certain extent have, but you know, the top clubs, Roma always been the one that have gone for Romans, you know, and that's been that's been another great thing about them, in my opinion. That's what I've loved about it as well. So uh, let's go back to the the Totti situation with the current ownership and and uh how, how the team is being run obviously not a fantastic situation for the team's most iconic player um uh looking at, are, are we really looking at you know pelota having to sell out you know without getting into the specifics of who and and when and and how a potential sale may exist but is that what it's going to take for him to to come back uh and and rejoin because i, I feel like you know, there's obviously a huge PR element to him being involved with the organization in some fashion and being a part of the team and, and still being being able to, you know, represent Roma in some way. And I, I you know, can only go by what he says and how important that is to him, but also not as important as uh, <laughs> sticking it to the man, so to speak, with, uh, with his, uh, you know, the way he was discharged. So it kind of, you know, that, that went down very, very badly. So is, is that what it's going to take, in your opinion, for, for him to rejoin? No, definitely. There would need to be, you know, need to be um, a, a completely different Roma from what it is now. If we go back to, you know, the final season, it taught you the problems with Spalletti. And then <laughs> in the end, you know, the, the final game where Totti you could see he didn't want to leave. He didn't want to be retiring. He thought he could play one more season. The same with De Rossi. You know, they're right. sort of, they're forced out. There's no way you're going to walk back in through the gates again. Totti has said he's been down to Trigoria and he's, he stood out, sorry, it's figuratively speaking, of course, stood outside, but hasn't gone mm-hmm. back in. It's too, too raw for him. And you can see it you, in the way he speaks. The whole thing is still raw after the re- Retirement. Even this week, he was saying, "Oh, I could, you no, know, I could still play in Serie A twenty minutes here." Twenty, you know, it's like you know the old <laughs> boxer not knowing when to hang up his boots. But certainly, before this this situation we find ourselves in now in the world, there there were you know there was talk of the, the uh, new owners coming in. There was a lot of positivity. It was oh yes, this is it, you know, because now all just to put the list of the Palotta. Uh, I wouldn't say failings, but unable to live up to all that was expected. So before uh, what's happened, 
there was a lot of positivity and Totti was making a lot of positive songs about yes if they came to me I'd like to come back you know but now he's you know he's opened up as well as an agent so that's taken him in another direction the way it wouldn't be so easy to come back to a club if you've got if you're also an agent although football could change maybe football is going to change now with, right. uh, with this situation where you know transfers have to be handled in different ways players the agent thing with the clubs would become closer, who knows? But certainly, uh, at, with the current situation, you won't see Francesco Totti back at, uh, at Roma, in my, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, it is, it's obviously unfortunate on a massive scale. But it's I when I think about this entire situation with Pelotto's run and the things that he set out to do versus um, what he's actually been able to accomplish, um, you know, the the stadium really kind of stands out as the, you know, the, the greatest what if I think that we could kind of put out there. Cause you know, what if, you know, the, the BS was removed and he actually was able to build the stadium that he wanted to build uh, and therefore recouping uh, and gaining all that additional capital and, and not having to sell players on and, and retaining, you know, even if it's not everyone, you know, portions of the folks that they've sold on to to have a team that could be uh, much more consistent year over year uh, and, and therefore produce results uh, in, in greater fashion year over year. And and I know it's it's impossible for us to kind of, you know, project into what that could have been, but I just feel like that is a huge, huge blow to you know, the, the entire plan that he put together when, um, you know, when he's sitting down with investors and when he's sitting down with, um, you know, the, you know, the, the family to buy the team and, and the entire process is like, well, this is what I plan on doing, right? We're going to acquire the team. We're going to invest in the, in youth players. We're going to get a coach that knows how to coach, uh, young players, you know, in a way that's successful today. Um, we're going to build, put these plans towards the stadium. We're going to build the stadium. We're going to have, you know, then all of that, uh, becomes our money. Um, and then, you know, the, the plan just continues uh, extending out with the with all the amazing work they've done from a, a branding perspective. Um, but it just really feels like the, the big issue for me is is the stadium. Um, you know, is there any you know, do you have any insight just based on the positions and, and that you're in and the folks you talk to as to what's really kept us from being a reality? And I, I think I. Uh, uh, read a quote from you, you know, talking about this, uh, where you're like, you know, there, there's been, you know, 50 other stadiums that have gone up and down, you know, in the in the time that that they're just trying to get one done, uh, and, and it just it really kind of sticks to me as the the lar- one of the largest issues facing Roma today. Uh, you would mentioned there that um, in probably speaking like to investors build a stadium and it'll be our money. So that, that already is the problem that's in Rome. You know, it is, it's not when some, someone goes there and it's, it can't be their money. It has to be the city's money. You've got, a, a, you know, a bureaucratic uh, comune council that through red tape where it's not just, okay, you there, you get planning permission for a building. You've got so many departments that it has to go round and round and round. And then other situations that, are, that we have to say in Italy, 
and especially you know, when you go from the centre to the south, you're dealing with a different uh, way business is done. Who are going to be the contractors? There's so many things. You know, where he went to to build build the new the stadium was you know one of the most difficult places in the world to do so because of so many different elements through uh, red tape, also who you have to deal with. And also at the end, what the city, I'm talking about the city, the, the city council are getting back from this. And also you're dealing with uh, uh, the Olympic uh, Kone as well, who own the Olympic Stadium. So obviously, you know, Roma pay rent to that. So they don't want to lose that. You know, there's so many different issues. And when it was announced, you know, everybody's so excited. But then, you know, I speak to some old old timers who are going like, yeah, right. You know, good luck with that. <laughs> because they know how things work in Rome. And yeah. I think he's run into that. But now we're living in a different world. So if foreign investment comes into Italy, uh, I think, the, the you know, the likelihood is that the you know, they could well take it because there needs to be, you know, a rebuilding of the country after this uh, this coronavirus we find ourselves in where Italy has been really badly hit and Italian football has been badly hit. And there has been, you know, a talk of a private equity fund apparently in negotiations with the league to buy a stake in the league, which means buying a stake in the infrastructure of the league which means that they would set up a fund to help uh, clubs build stadiums. So we have to see down the, down the line, but certainly Palotta, I'm sure he came with the, you know, uh, grandiose hopes and ideas and business plans. And on paper, they sound amazing because <laughs> Rome's an amazing city and it draws lots of, uh, you know, tourists. So, uh and then you build a team and you, as you say, the brand is amazing. You know, the shirts that are sold, you know, the colors that, you know, everything about it just draws people in. And yep. uh, anywhere I've been in the world, I've seen guys wear Roma shirts and I tell you, Roma fan, no, but I love the shirt. Okay. Well, okay. Well, that's one thing. Yeah. <laughs> and, and certainly have done amazing things, you know, the social media side of it as well. They're, you know, their, their, uh, their accounts, you know, you know, it's, reached out to a different generation of fans, but it, it comes back to the, the, the same thing to get things done in Rome. It's you have to jump through so many hoops and it's even more difficult. They're always wary of a straniero, a foreigner coming in. Yeah. You know, as well, unfortunately. Yeah. So, well, you know, the, the old thing, no plan survives the uh, first sign of the enemy. And it seems like uh, that is, True, uh, ever true in in Pelota's case, for sure. You know, and like to, you know, today, like like today's a good example. You know, Raji, the, the mayor. You know, she's in there. The Cinque Stelle. She's you know the mayor, but you know mm -hmm. she's the, the face of Cinque Stelle, and you know, up until you know the, the signals are always misleading. Saying, oh no, it's impossible. The stadium can't go ahead because there's this problem with this certificate for this. This okay. Then today she goes, oh yeah, the stadium's going ahead. The dossier's in front of me on the table. That's what she said. <laughs> Everybody's like, what? <laughs> I said, 
It must be the biggest. You won't be able to lift that house here. <laughs> it's so big. I read, I read that one today about yeah. how she had the dossier in front of her. I'm like, well, what, are you, what are you waiting on? The biggest thing to push an economy forward is an infrastructure plan. And you're acting like this is uh, someone's made a proposal of you to the prom. Like, come on. Exactly. But that shows like they either don't want it to happen on these terms or it was never, it was never, it was never going to happen. It's just one of these Roman situations that just go on forever yeah. and ever. And I, I, I don't know why the commune, why the, why they would do this horse and pony show. It's like, let's, let's, let's be legitimate. Let's speak as adults. Let's get this done already. You're trying, you have an investor who wants to put in over a, a plan which is going to raise the value of the surrounding area by billions. It's going to provide jobs, regardless if those are part-time jobs or full-time jobs. You're going to give a ton of jobs to a country which has high unemployment, some of the highest in all of Europe, especially if we're talking about Southern Europe. And it, Rome is not exactly Northern Europe either. It's Central. And then you, you, of course, have the South, which has even higher unemployment. What is your goal here as a mayor? And it's so frustrating because when I grew up, I grew up in New Jersey and New York. And when you look at our giant stadium, it got done in less than like two years, two years. And now we're at three over 3000 days. I think 3030 something days. That's that is preposterous. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. What you said is, uh, you know, you know, you've. uh, You've knocked it on the head in, in the sense Looking from the outside, yeah. it, it seems obvious that they should just go on. But what it would bring the positivity in the jobs and uh, for that surrounding area, which uh, you know is pretty much run down and just there's nothing happening out there. But nothing uh, there. Uh, from the from me from the inside, and knowing how things not completely how things work in Rome, but in general how the Romans are, and mm-hmm. it goes right through. There's a lot of talk. But then at the end, there's nothing ever, ever done. And then you always wonder, were they ever going to do it anyway? But as this, as this situation we now find ourselves in, they either you know just bury their heads in the sand and just she leaves that giant dossier tipping her table over to one side, or they actually decide, okay, this could be a moment. It's a new beginning, if you like. We've got a new reality to deal with in the world. So maybe we can do something positive, but... For Palotta, yeah. you know, he must be like just going crazy the, the amount of money that's been invested. But you, you know, and then suddenly, who's going to come in? You know, these um, private equity funds. You know, they're not coming in with a billion. They're coming in with two billion with the offer that that might, by over ten years, go up tenfold of investment. You know, that is big, big money. Big so, money. Big money, but you know, and and this is probably it, the moment for them. To, they, they've got all that money is just floating around, and they've been. And this situation is probably like, oh right, it's great situation to come in because you can you can start from like ground zero, really. You you know you can set, you know the standard. People are going to be looking for jobs. They're going to accept certain salaries because they've got to work again. Um, contractors have got to start to. The working and constructing again, and they might have to settle for you know a lower price. So you know the time is ripe. 
Absolutely. And you're not talking about just a stadium. You're talking about mixed use. You could have possibly residential. You could have shops which run 24-7. You're creating a new commercial enterprise. How could this not be something? And when it, we know when, when things smell wrong and they taste and feel and look wrong, you got to wonder if sometimes there's more. Is it pride? Is it pride because Palota's not always there? Is it pride because he's not born or somebody who grew up in Rome? Is it because she's a fan of Lazio? I don't know. I'm just playing devil's advocate. Because when you look at something and it doesn't make sense on any front, any front here, especially because you have this being funded partially by the ownership and not a completely state-funded project, what is the reason? And I cannot draw of one that's rational. And when you cannot do that, it leads you to think of other things. So that's all I'm going to say. Well, of course, as I was saying before, you've got, you know, you've also got you know, the, um, the, what, as I said before, what, uh, what is the city gaining from this? If you know what I'm saying, it yeah. will gain, but what are the officials within the community gaining from this to, to allow this to happen, to allow that to happen? And obviously what happens then to the Olympic Stadium, which is an iconic stadium. Yeah, they uh, lose their biggest renter Roma, or half of their yeah, biggest. exactly. Without Roma being there. You know, so you're talking at, at politics on one level, major politics, the politics of Rome. I wouldn't even begin to try to get into the intrigue of it. And then, of course, also what what people have, have to gain from this. You know, so it is, it's a, a very difficult situation. And, you know, Palotta, you know, he's come with great intentions. Right. Uh, and, but, you know, at, at the end of at the, you know, the stadium's one thing. Moments from, you know, getting to the final of the Champions League could have maybe changed, you know, the little moments, you know, like yeah. you were saying before, what if, what, you know, what if that's, you know, that shot should have been a penalty against Liverpool. What if, you know, yeah, was a, you know, yeah. Yep. could have changed and maybe that could have pushed things forward because then, uh, you know, it would have taken Roma to a, diff- a different level, you know, and as, as you guys were saying there, no, we've dropped you know, dropped out, you know, dropped below Atalanta. Atalanta, like, they're pushing ahead. They've built a new stadium uh, and, and they've got, you know, playing dynamic, attractive football. You know, 70 goals this season, 70 goals. That's Roma used to be famous for scoring, you know. So it, it, is, it is frustrating. <laughs> it's frustrating. I know that's a... a so b- before we, before we wrap up, because I know we've taken a lot of your time already, we talked a little bit about the Barcelona game. We at least referenced it. I want to I wanna kind of just talk a little bit about that just because, I mean, that's like the, one of the most Roma things that Roma could ever do, right? Go in against the, the giant behemoth, um, you know, lose the first game uh, badly, uh, and then pull out this uh, improbable uh, comeback win uh, in, in just creating these these incredible senses and, and emotions, uh, you know, from, from being a Roma fan. So tell me a little bit about what your experiences were for that game. For the, the match of uh, Barcelona game? Yes, yes, please. 
Oh yes, oh yes. Well, you know, it was one of one of those days. It was an amazing day because it's it felt like a um, a national holiday. The build up to it, and obviously the pressure was off Roma. So in in the restaurants, I went out for lunch, and right in the in the, the center uh, center of Roma is you know just full of Barcelona fans, and they're all like that was their day, you know. So the, that yeah. sort of got the, the Roma fans up. So when we arrived at the stadium, we like, got there like, what, seven and had to wait for like 45 minutes nearly to get into the ground. It was incredible. And there was just that feeling, you know, those moments where there's something in the air and atmosphere. Mm-hmm. I know like it shouldn't be like that, but there are around like big events. And this felt like a big, big event. And from the moment that they, they, they just played the anthem, you know, there was tingling. Everybody was just tingling, and it, and it, it did transmit to the players. And Barcelona, you've got to say, were really—they were just like they couldn't handle the pressure. They, they couldn't. They didn't. I don't even remember them really having an attack. And any time they got the ball, whistling was deafening. And it was one mm-hmm. of those where you felt you were playing your part as well. You know, as a fan, <laughs> uh, and you know, and the players just. Give everything, you know, they're led. De Rossi was just unbelievable that night. You know, they all were Raja, just ran and ran. It just, everything clicked. And every player gave everything and more. And it, it was a joyous, it was a joyous occasion. You know, you could see it wasn't at the end. You know, the last few minutes, Barcelona sort of launched a few attacks. But me personally, I didn't feel they were ever going to score. But it would have been typical Roma if Barcelona had scored. And it was, it was, we stayed up all night. We we're out, and I was in, I was in uh, Piazza de Popolo when uh, Palotta jumped in the fountain and got his fine from um, Brad to find him for that. You're not allowed to jump in the fountains in Rome anymore. Well, you haven't for a long time, but um, it was, and he was, and I think he felt it that night. He actually felt maybe for the first time, you know, he, he would admit he's never been a big football fan and never really, you know, Roma's not in his anywhere, you know, in his blood. But I think that night it was. Um, right. And, you know, it went around the world. Everybody, you know, I got lots of messages like I'd, I played my part. Oh, well done. It was amazing. You know, it was just one of those <laughs> great nights. At, you know, it'll live forever. It's one of those other nights. Yeah, it, it was truly something special, and it just you know again, Roma's really, really great at uh, at giving us a chance to dream. Um, you know, the end result, you know, sometimes the follow through, I guess you should say, it doesn't always happen. They didn't win the Champions League uh, that year, but uh, you know, for, for that moment, um, it was like it doesn't really matter what comes after this or what came before this. Uh, this is a moment that's uh, that's going to stick with us for quite some time because they were playing uh, the way that we know that they're capable of playing uh, in a manner that is, you know, very much the Roman way that we've talked about so many different times uh, on this, uh, on this show. Um, Wayne, I want to throw it back to you to see if you have any other questions before we wrap up with uh, Mr. Whittle. Go ahead, Rich. I think you want to jump in. I was just going to say that also that night, the, the Roma fans showed what the Roma fans are really like because that went right round the world. 
where we sold the whole yeah. stadium. I was in um, the Tevere. Was, you know, um, I wasn't in the Corvo. I was in the Tevere for that game. Been a little bit older now. I have to settle down. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the footage, the image of the, the, the Roma fans before the game, after the game, and, and you know, uh, after the game, they, they played three or four um, Romani songs, you know, which they're all the Romans were singing, the old people were dancing, you know, it was just a beautiful occasion. And all those images were around the world, and suddenly Roma were the, the team that everybody loved. Yep. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it just drew people in from all around the world. You know, it's amazing, wonderful. I know that Roma don't win a lot, and they come up short, and they can be so annoying, but, you know, it's, <laughs> it's like, you know, <laughs> that's, that's part of, you know, part of following Roma. You know, Indeed. if you buy into that, if you buy into the passion more, just the, the game, the love of the game and love of, um, you, you know, being so the Roma fans are on the pitch almost, you know, and that's why they love their Roma players because they're just almost on the pitch. And, you know, I haven't found that with a, a lot of, you know, other teams. And that's, you know, that's my opinion. <laughs> Yeah, I can just imagine how the night was. I was I was in the uh, the match before that the, when the ones against Shakhtar when Fonseca was on the other on the other side, uh, coaching Shakhtar, and the atmosphere just... was just amazing for that for that match. I was in uh, uh, Montemario, Montemario, and then a few days before yeah. I was in Distinti Sur for Roma Torino. But uh, yeah, I can just imagine how the atmosphere was for the Barcelona game. Oh my goodness! Because remember against you know against Shakhtar. Uh, Shakhtar, you know, as the poor performance, as the, you know, that mm. was it. You know, all right, through the next round, Barcelona. Okay, arrivederci, goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, and then after the first leg, it was like, oh my goodness. Uh. <laughs> but you know, great moments. But um, but then from then, you know, the, the you know the team was dismantled. So. If only, you know, you always look at those if only moments. You know, the handball penalty wasn't given. Um, the fact in the first leg at Anfield, Roma didn't. They, they started that match, if you remember very well, first 15 minutes and all possession. I was like, wow, we're going to fell apart. And didn't start playing again. Didn't start playing to the last 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, you know, little, we've got to start being there every year. We've got to start beating those calls because when you're the underdog, you're not going to get those calls. And it's unfortunate, but it's reality. So we have to have that consistency to beat the benefit of the doubt. We have to be better than that. And that's that's just reality. It's unfortunate, but that's what we have to do. We have to be better than the other team always and not just for 80 minutes because in that 10-minute span, we see what happens and Liverpool gets that call. We have to overcome that, and that's all. That's only going to happen when we have players out there who are of, of, you know, of a quality with a coach that's consistent. And I think I like this group a lot right now. I think they're strong. I don't think they're there just yet. Nobody does, but it's just staying together and just defying it every year, every tournament, Coppa Italia, Europa League, whatever it is. You go out and you win. You have to be. You have to be like that assassin mentality. And that's the only way you start to overcome that long term, I think. Yeah, you need to need to win a trophy. You know, you, as you said, you know, this season, you know, still if if it's played Europa League, 
to to win a trophy, you know, it we would have taken um you know a Coppa Italia during Palotta's reign, one one trophy, you know, but each time, you know, Roma just you know, underperformed in Coppa Italia. I remember, you know, in the nineties and you know, through the two thousands, Roma like always were team like, to get to the semi-finals or the final, you know, to to win Cup Italias. And then over the last what, ten years or so, just you know, it's, uh, they haven't done that. You know, recent seasons, you know, Ember got knocked knocked out by Spezia one year. Let's not even talk about that Fiorentina match, which I commentated. You know, so I think that you know you take Europa League difficult one to win, but you know if they could just pick up a trophy, you know that could that also could be the boost as well. At the it's such a difference maker mentally. Yeah, look at um, look at the other team in in Rome. Well, they are. They've, they've won yeah. Coppa Italia. They won the Italian Super Cup. You know, they're buoyant. You know, they're arrogant now. They're feeling like they're the, you know, the uh, the kings of Rome, if you like. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> because because they've won trophies, and that's you know whatever you say, winning a trophy. You know, don't underestimate Coppa Italia. You know, it's still a trophy. It's you know. Yeah. Yeah, it will be our tenth Coppa Italia too. You know, yeah, then you're to, then you're up there, the records, you know, you're getting into double figures, you're up there with Juventus, you know, chasing them. You know, so I think for certainly you know, the, for the financing side of it being in the Champions League, yeah. that's what they're, they're always mortgaging, they're mortgaging the team against the Champions League. So missing out in the Champions League is a big blow. Uh, and it looks this season as well that won't be in the Champions League because the head-to-head with Atalanta is negative as well. And yeah, what, if, a couple points back uh, with uh, with Atalanta, I believe, has a game in hand as well. So yeah, exactly. Not, not, a, not a good be, position to be in. You know, if that was a problem. We needed to, you know, get the. Um, you know, it needed to be sort of on level terms with Atalanta. And there was an opportunity there to overtake Atalanta at one stage. They're, you know, a bit distracted by Champions League. And then, of course, if yeah. coronavirus comes back, if there's another wave and, and we have to reduce the, the campionato, uh, they're talking today to, that there'll be playoffs. Uh, and I don't know where Roma fit in in that, if it's playoffs between the top four and the, and the bottom four. Want, that, that's curious to me too. Are they just going to open it and make it like a like an NBA playoff style, or how would they do that? And you know what stinks is that we lost a pivotal pivotal one against Atalanta, where Ilicic just decided that he was going to hit form at 32 years of age and you know become an unstoppable force. It's unfortunate we've had to deal with that, but once again, that's just an effect of keeping a team together, um, a very good scouting system. A lot of these players came from Switzerland and other kind of uh, low-key destinations. But if it is a playoff, that's going to that's gonna be so interesting. I mean, my, my, my worst nightmare is something I won't even mention uh, about another team from Rome. But um, I would love to see every other team do their best to stop that at this point in time. That's my only hope. 
the, the thing with the playoff, yeah. it's, it'll be out of everybody's hands if, uh, unfortunately, you know, if there's a, as there's, they're saying we have to be careful that the, this, the coronavirus hasn't, it, it's still there. If there's another wave that forces the government to, to say we have to go back into some sort of lockdown or very more restrictions, you, you can't play matches every four days. Um, yeah. For, for various reasons. So, so they've, this is this thing that's worrying me when I read today. You've got to have a contingency plan, but they seem mm-hmm. to be pushing more for the, the playoffs while finishing the league in a, you know, the, the next 12 rounds. You know, if you have a playoff, you, it's like semi-finals and a final. You know, you reduce the games by a lot. And then you leave all the teams yeah. in the, from, you know, fifth down to, you know, 19 out of the... Uh, you know, that's them. They're finished the season. Yeah. <laughs> Wild stuff. Unprecedented. Yeah, it, it really is. Uh, you know, it, it's it's just a, a different world we're living in. Um, but, uh, you know, Richard, we, we can't thank you enough for, for taking the time uh, out of your, your busy schedule to – to spend some time with us, talk about Roma, talk about your career and, and, uh, you know, and how you're faring these days. Um, we're just completely and totally honored to have you on. We are, we are huge, uh, huge fans of yours. Um, uh, Sam, I think has a, you know, something that, that he's been thinking about that I think we, we all share. Sam, did you want to kind of chime in with, with your note here? Yeah, Richard, first of all, uh, thank you again for taking the time. Um, I w- I've been looking into, um, contacting you for a long time but i didn't do it uh we've been f- big fan i mean i feel like you and i we have been watching g- roma games together for uh, almost two decades it's just you, you don't know my face <laughs> and i feel like a lot of roma fans feel like that too so i'd like to thank you on behalf of all of them and um and also as roma fans we're a little bit sad that you're toning down the uh the roma emotions in the last couple of years and you mentioned that earlier and i have noticed that i have noticed that um, but no, well, thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, you know, that's also from the, the professional side, because in, in this business, <laughs> you know, you get different rights holders with different ways of doing things. And uh, like I said before, the, the only way that I'll, that, uh, that I'll be able to let go is if uh, AS Roma starts, uh, you know, an English channel and they, they get me as their official commentator. Yeah. We're, we're, uh, we're, we're going to start the campaign for that uh, as soon as we okay. kick it off. Good work, okay. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. that. Well, for sure. You know, one of the things Sam mentioned before the call while we were talking uh, and and trying to you know get connected with you is um, when we're when we're watching uh, when we're watching a a match a Roma match and and you're not commentating how different that feels. Um, you know. Even if you're, you know, maintaining your professional, uh, you know, integrity uh, on your performance, um, there's just something knowing, you know, feel that feels better when you have, you know, quote unquote family uh, broadcasting the game. And you know, we, uh, like Sam said, you know, it's it's uh, we feel like we've been watching these games with you for for this entire run. So we're just, uh, you know, not only grateful for you joining us today, but for for all that you've done for for the sport and uh, for Roma and your family. And and uh, we're, we're we're super glad that you're on our side. I'll just leave it at that. 
Something really quick. I remember you watching in the mid 2000s. And I was like, wait, he ma he's, and I didn't know much about you back then, right? And I was, this guy has, has got to be a Roma fan. And then I later found out, obviously. <laughs> yeah, that, that was the thing. Yeah, a lot of people started finding out. And, um, you know, there was a few talks, you know, I was taken aside for a few discussions about this. But, you know, <laughs> I think maybe as, you know, as, uh, as you're saying, as the years go by, it's probably more difficult to be able to do that, uh, certainly with a lot more rights um, uh, holders coming in and broadcasters wanting a different way of approaching. Um, because there's a lot more, obviously, there's a lot more people out there you know, listening uh, online. You've got ESPN Plus. Um, there's a lot more TV stations than there were in the past. So maybe something like what I my style as well commentary you may like may not see or hear let me say here in the future because it might become more standardized. So I'm just very very happy and very pleased that I was able to let my emotions I think that was more than anything come across in the commentary and try to bring you guys closer to the game and also to you know the Italian experience as well and in in a lot of cases experience of watching Roma um, live and commentating on. So, you know, in the future be something that, you know, if it came up, I would jump at the opportunity if Roma ever um, <laughs> had that channel where we could broadcast around the world just for Roma fans. And you, you never know, that's maybe another something that will happen in the, in the industry uh, after, after um, what's happened over the last few months. You know, yeah. Uh, you hit yeah. the spot right there, Richard. You don't commentate Roma games. You transmit uh, emotions. Well, that, that, that's lovely for you to say that, and, I, and that's what I've always tried to get across. And I know that a, a lot of guys, you know, you guys, you know, in the states and stuff, and you know, I get a lot of good, uh, uh, you know, nice messages coming in. I know you're like as passionate as I am about Roma as well, which is, you know, great. Uh, from a long way and with the time difference and getting up early and suffering every weekend <laughs> one of the times as well, spoiling the weekend if you like, but sometimes in, and making the weekend the best time ever. So, you know, it's great as well to have you guys uh, you know, at the other end because, you know, that's what I'm out there to, to try to bring across that emotion, as you say, and the passion as well for Roma. Indeed, indeed. And, and it does come across. And, uh, you know, one last time, you know, thank you so much for, for joining us. I think we should probably wrap it up here. Um, uh, this will no doubt become my favorite uh, version of the Magicast that we've done. Uh, it, it's just been uh, fantastic to hear, you know, these kind of firsthand, uh, you know, stories about Roma and, and your experiences, Richard, and and uh, some shared experience that we've all had around key moments in, in Roma's history. Uh, so for now, for Wayne, for Sam, and of course, thank you to Richard Boodle, our guest. Ciao. Thank you, guys.